Hi guys, I'm Deputy Editor Britt Smith and welcome to One on One, a podcast where we feature open, dynamic conversations with your favorite menstrual personalities. Contributor Charles Thorpe recently interviewed Alan Richson, who plays Jack Reacher in the Amazon Prime video series Reacher. In the books the series is based on, Reacher is described as a six-foot, five-inch vigilante who has a six-pack like a cobbled city street, a chest like a suit of NFL armor, and biceps like basketballs. We spoke to Reacher about how he dialed in his physicality to embody this larger-than-life character. Let me just say, I love the show. I'm a big fan of the books. I'm a huge Lee Child fan and Tom Clancy fan. I mean, this is my kind of book. This is your genre. Yeah, yeah. As am I, man. I'm a huge uh, I'm a huge fan. I mean, we grew up with Tom Clancy. You know, like he was every film and then every Harrison Ford film in the 90s, I feel like was this guy. T- to be a part of the Lee Child world is, uh, it's it's surreal because I'm, I'm as much a fan as, as you and everybody who's been reading the books. Why don't you just tell me a little bit about the first time you heard of the character Jack Reacher and started to unveil him a little bit and read those books? We sort of collided a couple of years ago at the beginning of the search for, for this Jack Reacher. One of my best friends is a production designer. His name is Burns Burns. We've made a bunch of movies together. He's, he's just, he's, he's, he reads like 150 books a year. You know, he's like one of those kind of guys, like super smart, super creative. And so when they approached me, I reached out to him first and I was like, is this possible? You know, and he sent me all these snippets from all the books, you know, he'd already read them all. And he's like, you know, you know, hands like Christmas turkeys and, you know, uh, barely fits through the door. For, you know, he has to go through sideways. He was like, yeah, you're an ogre, dude. You got this. And I was like, OK. Um, so he was the first one to kind of put wind in my sails. And uh, from there, it was just let me let me dive in and like really absorb these these books. And I fell in love, man. I raced through the books. I couldn't put them down. So I read 24 books in eight months and um, felt the pressure of the desire to do this building. It was mounting with each book. I was like, I have to have to do this, you know, so I, I feel very fortunate that it worked out. What was the first book that you read? I read them in order. I read them in order. So it was Killing Floor. And, it, you know, it was like, as everybody, you know, I think who, who, who picked these books up, you know, I got it. I mean, I was like, this is a great character. And like Lee says, you know, there's only a few stories uh, every century that we remember the plot to. It's always the best characters, you know, the characters that we remember. And this was one that instantly, you know, I mean, I get it. This is a cool character. Then you go to Die Trying, you know, I think it's the second book. And I loved it even more. And then and then you start meeting characters like Hokobi. And I was like, this is this is great. So I just I flew through them in order. Fantastic. One of the things I love about this character is he is a beast physically. But again, he's got that intellect as well. You know, he's not just a battering ram. He's a very precise person. He's like, like right. a katana. I think it must have been fun for you to have that in a character as well. You're not just a blunt object. You're there outsmarting people, taking people aback. Yeah, I feel like uh, this is probably a terrible analogy, but like, in you know, in Zoolander, when, when Derek Zoolander's on the red carpet, he's like, I want people to know how funny I can be. Like, print that joke, right? I feel like that I have the same, I've said to myself, like, I want people to know how smart I can be. You know, like, I... I started modeling when I was like 18, 19. It's the most fruitless business. It's it's just, I had people literally tell me, 
please don't open your mouth while on set. Nobody wants to hear a model talk. You know, like I've lived this life where I'm like such a sack of meat and it's frustrating because I, I feel like I've got good creative ideas to offer the world. And there was no space for me for a long time to do that. And even, even acting, you know, you're the last link in the creative chain. I've, I've had showrunners tell me before the first show I was, I was the lead of, I really wanted to be good. So I challenge everything. I challenge every scene. Can it be better? Is this a better idea? And they, some people liked that. And some people absolutely loathed me being on that project. You know, I've, I've told people before, he, you know, I got yelled at, you know, this shit's baked crispy hard by the time it gets to you. Just say your fucking lines. And I'm like, ah, wow, we, okay, yeah, I'm just trying to help, you know. But, you know, my life has been sort of uh, thematically like a, ch a challenge to find a way to say something with something other than my body, right? I mean, my first job in the business was Aquaman on Smallville. I didn't book that because I was an intellectual. I didn't book that because I could, I booked it because I look like the guy, you know? So I, I've always had a chip on my shoulder. So yes, the fact that Reacher is often the smartest person in the room to me was exciting. You know, this is not some brutish character. It's not somebody who's uh, weighed down by his past and, and, and medicating with uh, drugs or booze or, or some kind of morose uh, posture in the world. It's just He's, he's just he's just doing what he's built to do, you know, um, explore the world um, and uh, solve problems, bring about justice where you can. But in a smart way uh, and often in a funny way, you know, I mean, he's just got all the elements that I, I I've craved for a long time to express creatively just to give you a sense of the why. Like, why? Why was it so important to me? Yes, because his intellect is as much a character as his his physicality. But just to take it a step further, you know, most of my life uh, since puberty, I guess I was I, I was a late bloomer, man. So at 17, I still had girls coming up to me. Go, I wonder what you're going to look like when you hit puberty. I wonder if you're going to be cute. I'm like, yeah. So what am I now to you? You know, monstrous. Uh, but but, uh, you know, there was always this like, oh, I wonder what lies ahead for me. And then all of a sudden I shot up like 18. I started working out at the same time. It was this perfect storm of like, I'm taking control of this little body and I'm going to get a muscle. And, uh, and then all of a sudden I started getting this completely different response where everybody I met either said one, they said one of two things. They either said um, when they got to know me, they said, no, I hate to say this, but I, when I first saw you, I thought you were the biggest asshole. And, and now that I know, I realize you're not. And I'm like, cool, what did I do to deserve that? Or I thought you were the dumbest, you're probably going to be the dumbest person I've ever met and you're not. And so I'm like, great. So one of those two, and I can imagine that Reacher's probably had a similar reaction his entire life. And to know that he sits equipped with the skills that he has in the intellect, you know, uh, it sets us, it sets the stage for a lot of fun knowing that he can sort of use that against people, you know, their preconceived notions of who he is, you know, and I, I oftentimes will quietly sit and do the same, you know, so, you know, there's a, there's a kinship there in who he is and, um, you know, some of my experiences too. Given Reacher's character also being former military, I know your, your father was military as well. So how did it feel right. to bring that on screen and what did you bring from maybe your experiences early days Honestly, it's such an honor. You know, I grew up revering my dad. He's he, he he always was and is my hero. You know, the one person I always looked up to. He he's a great guy, you know, and, and uh, I think the military really gave him a direction, you know, and some structure that he needed 
And, you know, it, it sort of instills in your, in the very fabric of your body, a kind of formality, you know, I mean, the way that you approach people, the way that you shake their hands, the way that you stand, it's, it's tall and powerful and striking and uh, it gives you, you know, you can command a room, you know, just with your body language. And I see that as a sort of a, a, that's sort of a, a natural language for people in the military to sort of hold themselves that way. And so I just always revered how hard he worked, you know, how much he sacrificed for the family, you know, and uh, the camaraderie and the, the the community that that ecosystem creates, you know, I mean, I just really respect it. I miss it. There's a nostalgia there to me to be able to honor that in some way creatively um, is the fulfillment of a dream. You know, I mean, I when I was uh, I think I was 19, I, I came home and I, me and a buddy had decided we were going to be special ops together. We we're going to go in like the the black ops type stuff, you know. And my dad, for the first time in my life, said, no, I'm not going to support you in this. I'm going to make it really hard for you if you try and do this. And I was really, I was stunned, you know, because I was like, I've, I, I kind of wanted to follow in your footsteps. And he wanted, you know, I think he saw some, you know, that little artist in me that I maybe hadn't realized myself yet. And he, I think he wanted me to go in this direction. So, you know, by saying no, he sort of supported me, but I've, I've, but I've always felt like this, I, I have to play if I can't be what I want to be. Maybe I can play one on TV. And so it's uh, it's an honor to, to represent these people who I, I understand and I respect. The books are such a resource. I'm sure the scripts are such a resource as well as you worked with a showrunner on this. But was there any sort of additional outliner sources you connected with to kind of inform the character? Yeah, I mean, you look, you know, when you've got, at the time there were 24 books. When, when you have 24 books, to digest, if you still have questions as to like how he would approach a moment in life, um, I don't know, then something's broken there. But uh, I didn't, you know, I mean, so I, I drank it in. In fact, I've read many of the books twice, you know, I mean, I just, I love them. I love reading them. I enjoy it. You know, I get a lot out of it, but also, you know, it gives me a firm foundation to stand on, you know, so there wasn't a lot of questions. I, you know, I would sort of dive in and and, and, and try and get a better sense of like some of the specifics about the special investigators, the arm, you know, like really dive into the specifics of some details that are mentioned, just so I have images in my head of places he's been, um, things that he's mentioned talking about, but just so I have a picture in my mind when I think of those, those, those situations, should they come up. But this is an interesting case study because when there are this many books, when the IP is this broad for people to understand, everybody's got their idea of who Reacher is as do the producers and the writers and the executives involved. So I think it was a more collaborative effort than most projects I've been a part of. And so the, 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 you know, the extra credit was sort of the conversations that were being had with my colleagues. I would get handwritten letters from producers that really care. And, you know, like, I think this is like, I think he doesn't move and like he, you, you see maybe a jaw muscle flex in his clenched teeth, you know, as he looks that person that, you know, there was like very specific, this I think is who Reacher is, you know, and um, we would have conversations about that. And I, I, so I think that's really, it was a unique process that I, I think, you know, really helped create like a three-dimensional character here. You mentioned the insane IP and someone that's so beloved as a character it's got to be difficult for you as also a fan, as a, someone right. that's starting to get into the, the throes and, and caring about where this character goes. 
to sort of see some of the commentary. Were you able to avoid some of that online debate? Who's the right next Jack Reacher? Who's the one that should be helming this character on Amazon? A lot of guys were chasing this and to be counted among those people, let alone the, the one that was ultimately chosen is uh, it's, it's an honor. So, you know, carrying that, that into the production. I mean, I, it just comes, there's a lot of gratitude there, you know, and, and, and there's also a sense of like, I want to get this right for, for everybody that's sort of been a part of this process, including the fans, knowing that I, you know, I think uh, 200 million plus books have been sold a, a book every nine seconds, somewhere in the world. I'm told, you know, I mean, these staggering numbers of fans out there reading these books alongside us. Uh, of course, it's not lost on me that, this character has crossed many international borders and a lot of people care and want to see this done right. But a big part of my, my job is forgetting all that, forgetting the search, forgetting what it took to get here, forgetting how many fans also want to get this right and just block out that noise, including my own desire to, as a fan to get this right and just wrap my hands around what's on the page and bring it to life as best I can and trust that both my instincts and choices and uh, the people around me, we're going to get this right. I think we did. I mean, you know, when I saw it, I was so pleasantly surprised. There are so many projects I've been a part of where you you leave it all on the table and you hope for the best and you see it come out of that post-production pipeline. And it's not what you thought you were making. Nick Santora, Don Granger, all these guys that have been a part of this and, and have cared so much, they have really good taste and it shows in the final product. I mean, it could have come out a million different ways. And I think we really got it right. I mean, as a fan myself, it's authentic. It's authentic. But uh, but we also had the chance to take it a step further, telling this story one book over eight episodes. Um, even the supporting characters are, are I, I, I dare say, even more well-rounded than in the books. I mean, we really get to enjoy um, this world come to life in a, in a unique way on screen. Yeah, I, I really enjoy it, man. And there's every element of this character that you want to see, even in that first episode. And so I think for everyone who's a fan, you know, you're checking all the boxes. He's outsmarting people. He's playing, you know, he's playing with the time. He's playing with some of the investigators, staying quiet about his past. And he's also, you know, showing up physically as well. And so, right. you know, you mentioned that's 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 something that you've had in your pocket for a while, but I would love to hear a little bit about your process in particular getting ready for this role. Was there any added regimen, nutrition? Yeah. How how many of those things oh. did you dial into this process? Yeah, it was uh it was an attack on all fronts really. Um as an actor, one thing that you sort of try and do is remain available to every idea, right? You don't know what that next, I mean, I could go from not having a job to like having three offers and they're all wildly different. And one's for like a school teacher, one's for a dad, one's for a football player. Like, how do you appeal to everybody when you're an actor? You know, one way I do it is to try, you know, I stay healthy and in shape. A lot of what I do is that sort of like superhero genre, you know, I stay fit, but I try and stay as lean and tight as possible. So I usually walk around at like, you know, 205, you know, I had time to, to bulk up a little bit for this. And uh, I was 235 when we started shooting. So again, in eight months um, of prep, it was five days a week grinding it out. I don't usually use weights because I, I tend to get very big pretty quickly. And uh, I just got to un unleash in the gym. It felt good. You know, I mean, it, I'm walking around at 235 and it feels like home to me to, you know, to bulk up like that, though, you got to, you got to eat the calories. So, you know, I hired a nutritionist and 
it was a conveyor belt of food. I mean, when you talk about the numbers that you need to hit for calories and proteins, your macros or whatever, which is not something I've really focused on much. Um, it's like a full-time job to get 4,500 calories in your body, you know, like yeah. 300 grams of protein or whatever. It's like, Oh God, I can't, you know, yeah. <laughs> again, but you know, it was, uh, you know, I had a lot of help. So, um, you know, again, team effort, but it was a full-time job getting reacher ready. Given the timing of this, were you doing more of that training at home? Were you able to get into a gym? Were you working yeah. with anyone particular training wise? I know you have a lot of your own sort of information going into this. So probably had a lot of foundation already to work with, but did you consult with anybody on the training side? You know, back in my past, I've had moments where I'd call on a, a friend, you know, or trainer to like, just help me get through a plateau or a moment, you know, but um, no, I've, you know, I've been doing this a long time. For me, the challenge was actually getting weights around me. I mean, we're living through a pandemic when everything's closed, you know, we shot in Toronto. I was there for another show. We wrapped on that and I stayed there to begin prep on Reacher, but Toronto was locked down super tight. You know, there was nobody, you weren't allowed outside. Like they were, they were like arrest people if you didn't have a reason to be out. It was very, very strict and there was nowhere to go, you know? So I, I you know, again, I just very grateful for the, the ability to do this. And again, it's not lost on me that not everybody is able to do this kind of thing for themselves. Um, I wish we all were, but I moved the dining table out of the place that we were renting and we built a full size gym in the living room and in the dining room. So every morning, like there's no excuse, like you're, it's not like you got to get in the car and it's snow, you know, snowed in, like you got no excuse. Those things are staring you in the face. So, you know, it made it easy for me to get it in, but I, you know, uh, I had it in the house, built a gym and hard to avoid it when it's looking it's at hard to, while yeah, you're it's eating hard to breakfast and it's looking at you right there. What pieces of gear were required versatility is important you know muscle confusion is important when you're doing something five days a week you got to keep changing it up to confuse the muscle to keep growing so i needed like a couple you know key pieces and i found this amazing not an ad or whatever they don't you know i bought it bought this like anybody else would but this this piece of, of equipment made by northern lights that's uh it's a smith machine a twin cable tower with you know a, a lap pull down bar and a row uh, a, a row cable in the back and a bench press you know squat rack all built in so you've got this like monstrous tower fits in a tight space and it's got three of the most important pieces i think you know with the with the cables the smith and the 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 free freestanding squat and bench um so you know that that ticked a lot of boxes and then i got these awesome adjustable free weights that and a couple benches and uh i mean that's really all you, all you need. I mean, you can get creative with that and there's about, there's not much you can't do. So that that's the gist of it. And that, you know, yeah. that, that that's really helped. Were those uh, the power blocks? Yeah. Yeah. I've got two, one, one, um, they're like circular and they go up to 70 and then uh, I've got another set of blocks that go up to 90. So, you know, if the wife's in there, like, I don't have to wait on, you know, it's like being at the gym in my house. I'm like, I'm waiting on weights, you know, yeah. my kids are playing on them. You know, I'm like, guys, get off my, Get out of my gym, guys. <laughs> Dude, uh, I have to talk about these fight sequences because oh, yeah. they're so incredible, man. I mean, you don't just have the physicality. You're using it in the scene. You're using it as part of the character. You know, the prison fight, obviously, you know, yeah. does exactly what you want Reacher to do in those moments. So can you tell me a little about coordinating those, what it was like to set those up and, and make sure that, you know, you were able to use that presence in the room against these guys? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, before I got into the, the Reacher franchise myself, I thought based on conversations I'd heard, it was like this one handed action or, you know, like this was this is just a, 
It's just one fight after another. And it's so much more than that. It's a lot more fun than that. But it is a big part of, of who Reacher is, this propensity to violence, this no rules, his own set of rules. You know, he lives outside the law in a sense, like he'll take the law into his own hands if it means seeking justice or, uh, you know, protecting the innocent. It's something that I think we all kind of envy in Reacher that he's, he's got the wherewithal to do that on some level. We want to get those fights right. You know, there's a purpose to them and, and, uh, and they're unique. You know, there's like a, a certain type of sort of surgical precision and violence that he has that um, his, his past uh, gives him. So we had to, we had to sort of take my fighting style, which is this sort of like Brazilian jiu-jitsu broad brawler type of, thing that I've done many times um, in TV and film and break it down and make everything a lot more specific. Um, you know, there's moments in the book where, you, you know, Lee writes, uh, you know, his, he uses elbows like axes and his knee, you know, th that's not something that we're, you know, I'm used to doing. So um, Buster Reeves, the stunt coordinator did an, an amazing job of sort of patiently walking me through that um, and designing these fights. Um, I feel like they're all unique, but you know, there's, there's, there's a, a big, moment there's a big battle every episode for those of us that are into that kind of thing to look forward to it took you know it took a few months of prep but um having a good team around and, and a lot of patience on their part uh, for me to get up to speed and uh you know i think we we've designed something pretty pretty fun Absolutely. for people to enjoy yeah you do a fantastic job in this role man have you thought of who you might want to have in, in any guest roles or any of the things you know that could come up in these next few seasons when it comes to, like actors you'd like to work with Oh, uh, man. Like I mean, reach or go against, you know, uh, it's hard to say. I mean, there are some, yeah. you know, there are some shows that I'm, you know, the boys is like one of my favorite shows. I think anybody on that show, I'd love to like go head to head with, you know, but I've got my favorite shows. Um, there are so many talented actors in there. It would be a real gift to work with. You know, but the 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 hard thing about this this show is um, Reacher moves on. There's a new world every time. He might be in rural Georgia one week, in 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 L.A. or Berlin the next. You know, so you never know where he's going to end up or what that the aesthetic of the show may end up feeling like. The kind of characters that he comes across. You know, so so my co-stars and colleagues are most likely going to be changing from season to season, and that's difficult when you you really fall in love with the people that you're working with. And that's what happened here. You know, like Malcolm Goodwin, who plays uh, Finley, uh, Willa Fitzgerald, who plays Roscoe, really key. And that's not to say that everybody else, but really key, uh, uh, a triangle there of um, uh, the, the talent that they brought, the passion that they brought. I, I, I want, I want it to be them every year. And that, you know, I, I, you know, I doubt we can make that happen, unfortunately, but so it, so I'm, I'm more looking to my past. It's hard for me to move on from the bar that they set, which is so high. So, you know, I, I guess we'll, we'll see what the future holds and hopefully we can continue to, um, you know, to, to best ourselves. Yeah. It's, it's tough moving on when you've been around such amazing talent. Do you know what book you guys are going to do for the next season? I've heard murmurs. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> but you know, I mean, it's uh, this industry is uh, ever changing. The fickle is the wind, so I, I, I dare not say. I like that, smart man. Well, I look forward to seeing it, man. I look forward to talking to you again. Thanks for the time. Congratulations on the show. Thank you so much. Well yeah, done. Thank you. Nice talking to you. Thanks for joining us in this week's episode of One on One. Don't forget to subscribe and check back in for more exclusive interviews. 